Welcome to this episode of the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. The mission of the Greenville Oaks Church is to inspire people to follow Jesus because we're convinced that following Jesus is the best way of life possible. Find out more about Greenville Oaks at greenvilleoaks.org and connect with us on social media. We would love it if you could rate and review our podcast. It makes it easier for others to find us. And now, on to this week's message with Lead Minister Wade Hodges. Hello, everyone. Hello also to those who are watching online. Glad that we can all be together in this way. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1. We'll be still in the opening section of Paul's letter to his friends in Philippi. Bruce Larson tells the story of a family of four vacationing in Florida who accidentally wander into a naturist camp. Now, naturist is another word for nudist, and if the sign had said nudist camp, they wouldn't have wandered into a naturist camp, thinking it was just a naturalist preserve. And as they're walking down a path, they encounter four people on bicycles who are completely naked. And the five-year-old in the family immediately points them out and says, oh, daddy, they're not wearing their helmets. (laughs) We all have a filter through which we view our circumstances, through which we interpret our experiences. An entrepreneur might view an event through the filter of business development, asking the question, how can I use this circumstance? How can I use this experience? How can I use this event to expand my business or sell more product? A coach or an athlete might view an event through the filter of competition, asking, how can I use this to gain a competitive advantage? An educator might view an event through the filter of teachable moments, asking how can I use this experience to teach my students a valuable lesson. Preachers pretty much view everything through the filter of sermon illustrations, asking how can I use this as a story in a future sermon? More than once, I've had family members after a humorous or weird or embarrassing family experience say to me, oh, this is going to show up in a sermon someday, isn't it? I'm like, yep, it sure is, because that's my filter. Well, today we're going to read a passage from Paul's letter to the church in Philippi that reveals to us his filter through which he's viewing all of his circumstances and interpreting all of his experiences. So let's start Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. He says, now, I want you to know, sisters, that it's me as a serve to the As a result, it has become clear to the palace guard, everyone else, that I am in chains for God. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, 
I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. And if I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet, what shall I choose? I don't know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. This passage reminds me of what Jonathan Haidt, social psychologist, one of my favorite writers, calls the adversity hypothesis. The adversity hypothesis is an exploration of the upside or benefits of adversity. And Haidt uses the adversity hypothesis to suggest that we all need some adversity setbacks, even some forms of suffering to fully grow and develop as human beings. Now, to clarify, not all adversity, pain, suffering is beneficial. Our impulse to rid the world of unjust suffering is good and right. But having said that, not all adversity, pain, and suffering is always bad for all people at all times. There can be an upside to adversity. And Haidt draws on a large body of research to highlight three benefits of adversity. First, adversity reveals hidden strengths, traits, characteristics, aspects of our personality that would otherwise never be seen. We don't always know how strong we are, how long we can endure, how deep our faith goes until we face some adversity. So adversity reveals hidden strengths. It also enhances our relationships by A, showing us who our true friends are, those who stick with us during tough times, but also B, relationships with those who've had similar experiences. Oh, you too? Adversity also clarifies our priorities. Because for Paul, what really matters, his number one priority above all other things is making Christ known. Paul values that even more than his freedom. He says in verses 12 through 14, 
my imprisonment, what's happening to me right now is actually serving to advance the gospel. The palace guard knows about Jesus, not of me. The preachers on the outside are more boldly because of my example here on the inside. This is actually working out for the good of the gospel prison. And the jailer who's supposed to be watching them, he thinks everyone has used the earthquake as an opportunity to escape and he's about to take his own life out of shame and dishonor. And Paul intervenes and says, no, 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 no. We're all here present and accounted for. Rather than using the earthquake as an opportunity to get away, to get out of jail, Paul is there ministering to this jailer. And the jailer says, sir, what must I do to be saved? And Paul says, I thought you'd never ask. And he tells him the story of Jesus. And in the middle of the night, the jailer and his family are baptized into Christ and become part of the church in Philippi, which means there's a really good chance they are there listening to this letter being read out loud in the gathering. And I wonder if they say amen when Paul says, yeah, my imprisonment, it's, it's serving to advance the gospel. Because Paul's friends in Philippi, they know better than anyone else how much of a gospel opportunist Paul is. Every encounter, every conversation, every circumstance is an opportunity for Paul to preach the gospel turn him loose in a marketplace and he's going to gather a crowd and tell them the story of Jesus. Put him in prison and he will make the most of a captive audience, pun intended, and make sure his cellmates know about Jesus. Chain him to a guard and he will lead his captor to Christ. Give him pen and paper and he will write a letter about Jesus. It doesn't matter where he is or who he's with, the filter through which Paul views all of his circumstances, every single experience is the gospel. He's always asking the question, how can God use this to make Christ known? So much so that Paul can say, this is more important to me even than the motives of those who are preaching, even if those who are preaching are causing me trouble. He says, yeah, some are preaching the gospel out of pure motives, but there are others out of jealousy or envy. They don't agree with everything Paul teaches. There's some competitiveness between them and Paul. He says, they're actually preaching in a way that's causing me trouble in prison. I don't know how all of that works or how it would have caused him trouble, but it's causing him some trouble because they are preaching so boldly and they know their preaching is causing Paul trouble on the inside and they do it anyway. It's worth noting that sometimes Christians cause Paul just as much trouble as those who didn't follow Christ. And Paul can say, nevertheless, what matters is not the trouble they're causing for me in here. What matters is, regardless of their motives, Christ is being preached. Making Christ known is more important to Paul than anything else. He goes on to say in verses 19 through 26, it's, 
It's even more important than his preferences about life and death. Paul is aware that his current imprisonment could lead to his execution. This is not new for Paul. He's had a number of near-death experiences because of his commitment to the gospel. But he says to his friends in Philippi, as he thinks about his possible death, he says, to live, well, that's Christ. To live is to do the work of making Christ known. But to die, that's gain. Because that means I get to be with the Lord. And in a moment of clarity, Paul can say maybe he's tired, maybe, maybe it's just worn him down, but he says, you know what I really want to do right now? I just want to go and be with the Lord. That's my preference. But he also sees how he is more useful and fruitful by remaining alive, that he still has more work to do. So even though he's torn and ultimately says, I prefer to die and go be with the Lord, he's able to conclude it's better for me to remain alive. Even though I'd rather go and be with the Lord, it's better for me to remain alive so that if I get out of prison, I can visit you again and I can continue to encourage you in the way of the gospel. He sets aside his personal preferences for life and death and being with the Lord for the sake of continuing to make Christ known to others. Making Christ known for Paul is more important than whether or not he's in prison, why other people are preaching, or whether he lives or dies. This is his filter. Now, why is he sharing this with his friends in Philippi? Why would he go into this and tell them, here's what's happening and here's what I think about it and here's how I'm thinking about the future? Why share all of this? Not because he wants them to feel sorry for him, but rather because he's holding himself up as an example. Because he wants them to have an imagination for how they can think differently about the adversity they're facing. Because they're facing some adversity too, maybe different than Paul's adversity, but they're facing some opposition, some setbacks. They're suffering for the gospel in their own way. And he wants them to think differently about their adversity. He wants them to see their adversity just as he sees his as an opportunity to shine for Christ. He's inviting them and us as we read his letter to view our circumstances through the same filter as he does. So that no matter what happens to us or around us, we're always asking the question, how can God use this to make Christ known? How can God use this experience to advance the gospel? How can God use this to glorify Jesus? And every single Christian, every single church is qualified to ask that question. But it does not come naturally. No, the natural question is, why me, Lord? What did I do to deserve this? How long, O oh Lord, is this going to last? 
please get me out of this trouble, Lord. But to ask the other question, how can God use this to advance the gospel? That is a skill. That is a Christian skill that has to be taught and learned and practiced. It is a habit, a way of seeing the world, a way of seeing ourselves, a way of seeing our circumstances that has to be formed and developed over time. But learning to ask this question, how can God use this to advance the gospel, can change our attitude about a number of life experiences, both the negatives and also the positives. Because there is a time to ask, how can God use my victory? How can God use my success, my breakthrough to make Christ known? It's great to ask that question when all is going well, but more powerfully is the question, how can God use my failure, my disappointment? my diagnosis? How can God use my pain, my suffering to make Christ known? Is that we are going to face some adversity in life is not in question. What's always up for grabs is how we as followers And so may give you eyes to see, filter to look through, so that you can the adversity you're facing right now, not only benefit, you strengthen your faith deepen relationships, but also for the benefit of others. By turning your pain into a platform. Lord, we thank you for the witness and the words of the Apostle Paul writing so long ago about his passion, his vision, his filter. And while it, it's hard for some of us, or hard for me at least, Lord, to always identify with how focused, single-minded Paul is, I ask that you would use his example to inspire us, to help us reframe our experiences so that no matter what happens to us or around us, we can ask that question and trust you to use whatever is going on in our lives to make Christ known. Help us, Lord, see everything that's happening in our world through the filter of the gospel. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing. Thank you so much for listening to the message from the Greenville Oaks message broadcast. We hope this message enriched your life and can help you inspire others to follow Jesus because we honestly believe following him is the best way of life possible. Be sure to connect with us online on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.